Welcome to the Murderosity Podcast, where we discuss all things murder, mayhem, the mysterious, and the macabre. I'm your co-host, Bob Hancock, joined on the other side by Rebel Roan. Rebel, what do you have in store for us this week? We have an awesome case tonight. I'm pretty excited about it. Our next case takes place in Ashburn, Virginia. It begins in 2011 as a missing persons case, but won't conclude for over a decade. So Ashburn, Virginia is a it's a pretty small town. I would say it's about 40 to 45,000 people. There's actually really not a lot to say about it. It's produced several sports stars. No superstars per se, but a few that you may hear about now and again. The major thing about it is that it is a major hub for internet traffic. Because it has so many data centers there, it's actually been characterized as the bullseye of America's internet. So, truthfully, that's about the only interesting tidbits I can give our listeners this week. But why don't you just take us straight to the case then? Bethany Ann Decker was originally from Fredericksburg, Virginia, and was attending George Mason University in Fairfax. She was a good student who was majoring in global and economic change. She also worked full-time. While in college, she met Emil Decker, who was an Army National Guardsman. The two began dating, and she became pregnant. They got married in 2009, and their son Kai was born six months later. Emil was on deployment often, so Bethany left Kai with her in-laws in Columbia, Maryland, while she was working and attending classes. So it talks about him being deployed often. The way that deployments work in the military, at least when I was in, which was around this time, I was I was still in, and actually in Afghanistan for part of that. The National Guard usually did shorter rotations than we did. We were there for about 12 to 15 months, whereas the Guard could be there up to 15 months, but it was usually around the 6 to 12 month mark. And then however long they were deployed for, they as active duty, we would be back for that amount of time. So if you deployed for a year, you would be back for a year, and then you would deploy again. Whereas oh, with wow. the Guard, they, they typically deploy like once every two to three years unless they volunteer, which is another possibility. You don't have to stay back for that year time. You can, you can waive your dwell time is what they call it. But for the National Guard and the Reservists, when we were deploying to Afghanistan and Iraq at that time, the Guard and Reserve units actually made up about 45% of total forces there, which is actually a pretty high number. So yeah. the, you had quite literally hundreds of thousands of Guardsmen and Guardswomen that served during the those two very, very long wars. So they do have, like you said, they did have a, lot, a little bit longer time back home. So if they did a six or a 15-month deployment, they'd be allowed to stay at their home station for two to three years which allowed them to keep that civilian soldier switch off. But we served with a lot of guardsmen downrange, so mm. good on him for that. Yeah. So what did so, she do while he was gone? So Bethany got a job in a, an Italian restaurant in Centerville, Virginia, and met Ronald Rolden, who is a Bolivian immigrant. He was around 30 years old when the two began dating and having an affair. By late 2010, Bethany and Emil were having issues in their marriage, and she moved into a separate apartment. Rolden moved in with her there. She quickly discovered that he was abusive, possessive, and controlling, but by the end of the year, she was pregnant. 
She was only 21 years old, and Emil still wanted to work on things with her despite her extramarital affair. In January 2011, Emil came back from deployment for a leave that would last a month. During that time, he and Bethany went to Hawaii for a vacation for a week. They returned to January 8, 2011, and spent the night at her grandparents' home in Maryland. So he is in Afghanistan, and he's coming home on leave. The way that that typically worked for us, when we did year-long deployments, we got 14 days to come home, kind of reset, restock, and then head back. Now, I, I, I did a longer deployment one time and got 18 days. So for him to get a full month, that's 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 definitely a, a guards thing and not necessarily army-wide. Right. But in, in the army, you usually get 30 days of paid leave a year. So it's it's a pretty it's pretty good. And usually your deployment leave didn't count against your regular leave as well. So you just kind of saved that up and used it when when you got back. But since the guard aren't aren't on active duty, they don't get the same leave protocols that we do. So but it, it it's nice. He he very well like they pay for your flight to get back home and whatnot. So. I mean, it's it's a really, really good program, and it's nice to see that, in this case at least, the guard were taking, or his home state, because the, the home state pays for things for the guard, that they were actually taking care of him. Yeah. So, Bethany's grandmother, Evelyn Bales, said that Rolden was controlling and had threatened Bethany and her family. That was in the past. So, there was kind of a history here where some of the family knew that, that they were having this extramarital affair, some of the family didn't. And meanwhile, Emil was trying to work on things with Bethany, despite everything. The next morning, Emil saw Bethany before she went back to her apartment. Rolden saw her later that afternoon, and she was not seen since then. During the day, Bethany had called to confirm her work schedule for the upcoming week, which was the last known contact she'd had with anyone besides Emil and Rolden. On February 2, 2011, Emil had to return from leave. Bethany had told him that she would be there, but didn't show up to the airport. Family and friends that went to see him attributed this to their marital difficulties and assumed that she had chosen to be with Rolden. Bethany did not show up for work or classes, but her absence was not noted for another three weeks. This was due to messages from her Facebook account to friends, though they were suspicious and did not seem like her. Apart from the Facebook post, there was no evidence that she'd done anything since the day she was last seen. Bethany did her best to keep in contact normally with friends and family, but because she was a full-time student and worked full-time, they had gotten used to not hearing from her for several days at a time. The family found her car, parked at her apartment, and reported her missing to the sheriff's office. She was five months pregnant at the time of her disappearance. After receiving the suspicious Facebook messages, friends reached out to Kim Nelson, Bethany's mother. She had her parents drive to the apartment to see if she was there. She found Bethany's Hyundai parked out front, but it was an, at an unusual angle. One tire was flat and it was noticeably dusty. This was the same condition as it had been in a week prior when the grandparents had last driven by. No one answered the door when they knocked, so they called Luden County Sheriff's Office and reported her missing. Investigators jumped right on it and discovered that she hadn't used her bank accounts or cell phone since the last day she was seen, in addition to not showing up to work or classes. Initially, they focused their attention on both Emil and Rolden since they had the most motive. Using the Army's Criminal Investigation Command, the investigators were able to reach Emil at his post in Afghanistan to talk to him on the phone. He was later given leave to return to the U.S. where he cooperated and even took a polygraph test. 
So here we're dealing with leave again, but this is a bit different. This would fall under what was called emergency leave. So emergency leave is, let's say you have a child that has to have life-saving surgery. Uh, your parent dies, something along those lines, something that is so important that it overrides whatever the mission is at that point in time, because you won't be able to focus on or complete the mission as necessary. So given that, you know, his wife is quite literally missing, he has to come back to look after his child. Even though he would likely have a family care plan in place to cover that. So, for example, the grandparents will watch the kid if the parents aren't available and, and so on. But here we also see that they have the Criminal Investigations Division, or CID, that we call them. They've gotten involved. These are guys that you really don't want in your business because they're going to dig and they're going to figure out whatever it is so that they need to figure out. So I can only imagine what Emil had to think when he got that because it's not like you're carrying around cell phones typically over there that mm -hmm. anyone can just ring you up. Right. But a lot of times your units have landlines. So they got in touch with his unit and they pulled him in and and would have had this discussion. There were a couple of times where not because I did something wrong, but because I had to be questioned about something that happened that I had to deal with CID. And it's it's a very intimidating process. They wear plain clothes. They don't wear uniforms like we did. It felt very much like police interrogation. And that's just never a fun situation. So I bet not. Yeah. But that's what this guy's going through. And on top of that, he's deployed. And on top of that, he doesn't know what's happened to his wife, what's going to happen with his kid. It's, mm -hmm. I, I feel for Emil in this situation. Right. So what happened after that? So when the lease expired on the apartment, Olden moved out. This was a short time after Bethany's disappearance. He went and lived with his mother in Centerville. He told the authorities that he had just assumed she went back to her family when she failed to return. Investigators became more interested in him when they learned of his prior criminal record, including arrests for identity theft, public toxication, and a 2006 arrest for destruction of property where he smashed in a woman's car window. He also gave inconsistent answers when asked about the Hyundai parked outside. In March 2011, authorities searched a field near the apartment complex and were able to obtain a search warrant for Rolden's new residence. They specified murder as a possible criminal offense on affidavits. They seized cell phones, a laptop, and documents for forensic examination. So for doing this, they had to get search warrants. This, in the U.S. for our foreign listeners, we have an amendment in the U.S. Constitution that require police to obtain these search warrants based upon probable cause. That keeps the police from just busting down your door and looking through whatever they want. It's the Fourth Amendment. Now, usually there has to, well, not usually, in every case, a judge has to sign this. The judge has to believe that there is a quantum of proof, proof beyond a reasonable doubt, that they should issue this search warrant for whatever reason. Now, that's not to say that every search warrant that gets issued will result in evidence that will convict someone, but it is usually given when there is a, a reason for them to believe this person is involved. If they don't follow that, then any evidence they gain 
even if they had, let's say, a video of a murder taking place, they can't use that in court anymore. That's no longer admissible because your constitutional rights were violated. So it's very, very, very important that police follow this procedure. Right. So did they find her? Unfortunately, law enforcement was not able to locate Bethany based on the evidence they gathered. Rolden stopped cooperating with the investigation and was described as a person of interest in the disappearance. Later, Emil filed and received a divorce from Bethany, obtaining custody of their son. What he got here is what we call a divorce in absentia, which is the courts can allow a divorce proceeding to go ahead with just one partner. Normally, you have to have two partners. You both have to sign it. You both have to, con- well, not necessarily consent because you can get divorced from someone who doesn't want to divorce you. It's just a longer process. But in this case, the judge believed that there was enough evidence that she wasn't coming back, that mm-hmm. he granted this divorce because they couldn't they couldn't declare her dead and then absolve the marriage. So that's why they did it the way that they did. And that way, Emil was able to get custody of his son. So this is, again, there's just steps that you have to take in the American legal process. But it is there to protect the father in this case so that he was able to obtain the custody of his son rather than him being floating in the system, which is far, far worse. So how did the case progress from there? A year later, Rolden made the only public statement he would make through his attorney, Andy Jalou. My client remains hopeful and prays daily that Bethany will come home. He has complete confidence they're working hard on the case. For several years, Rolden stayed in Virginia, and in 2014, he began a relationship with Vicki Willoughby, who he met in a restaurant. I'm seeing a pattern here with the restaurants. We are. We are indeed. However, she said that after he grew to be controlling, she moved to Pinehurst, North Carolina, in an attempt to get out of the relationship. A few months later, he found her and moved there as well. Soon, the relationship became violent. Rolden broke Vicky's neck in two places and began assaulting her. She pulled out a handgun she had hidden in the living room, shooting him twice. However, he was able to get the gun from her and shot her three times, including once in the head. She lost one of her eyes due to the head wound and later said that Roldan stated he could, quote unquote, make people disappear. Vicky also stated, I've seen the look in his face when he came back at me the second time that evening to kill me. And he was smiling, so I do believe he cannot control it. That's what he does. He kills things. So here we're also seeing another pattern with this this guy, and it's a pattern of abuse. Mm-hmm. You can also see that he's preying on on younger or youngish women. And this is pretty standard. On average, nearly 20 people a minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the U.S. One in four women and one in nine men will experience severe intimate partner physical violence at some point during their relationship. So much so that one in four women and one in seven men will be victims of severe physical violence. On a typical day, you see more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines. And the most abused demographic are women between the ages of 18 and 24. Wow. Yeah. So there is a correlation with higher rates of depression and suicidal behavior for survivors. Mm-hmm. And 
this this was perhaps one of the most shocking for me was that only 34% of people who are injured by an intimate partner receive medical care for their injuries. Right. This one hits home for me. I, I had, I'm not going to name them here, but I had a very dear friend while I was in the military and she was, she was, she was bad. She was, she, she's even currently a bodybuilder. She mm-hmm. did amazing things. And one night her husband snapped and he almost killed her. And the worst part is, is a lot of us had seen red flags. We had seen signs and we didn't do anything about it. And we should have. This could have, this, this has impacted her life to this day. Um, I think I've given enough of her story more than I maybe should, but it's important. It's very important. This, this guy has a pattern and we see it going on. I mean, the only reason she didn't die from his attack is luck. I mean, right. I hate to yeah. say that because she did lose one of her eyes. She is handicapped for life from this. But this is another one of those things where we're reading, as you said, here are these patterns. He knows where to hunt for these women. He knows how to hunt for these women. And he knows which women to hunt for. I right. say this quite often. Abusers don't change. They change their tactics. Mm-hmm. And. That's what that's what this guy seems to have done. Like he just keeps on escalating and escalating. Yeah. But she did survive. Yes, she did. Both of them survived. Vicky was not charged since investigators believe that she had acted in self-defense. Golden was charged with assault with a deadly weapon, assault on a female and discharging a weapon in an occupied dwelling. After he was released from the hospital, he was taken to Moore County Jail and held there on a one million dollar bail. Luden County detectives visited Rolden in jail to see if he would speak with them about Bethany's disappearance, but he referred them to his attorney. In April 2015, he was also charged with attempted murder in connection to the attack on Vicki, and his attorney stated he planned to plead not guilty to the charges. In May 2016, Rolden accepted a plea bargain from prosecutors after some of the evidence had been suppressed. He pled guilty to two felony assault charges and was sentenced six to eight years in prison. Immigration and Customs Enforcement planned to start de- deportation proceedings against him once his sentence was finished. So there is a lot of misinformation in the U.S. regarding the deportation process. Whether that's from prejudice or it's from basing your understanding of it on television shows or whatnot. But the deportation process in the U.S. takes a bit. An expedited case still takes weeks. Sometimes it can drag on for years because he can be arguing that his appeals haven't gone through. He he can be arguing for anything. Now, the other misconception is that deportations are for illegal immigrants. While, yes, in some cases that's true, it can also be, by definition, someone whose presence in the country is detrimental, which is what this guy falls under. He had immigrated legally. He was here in the U.S. legally. And that definition causes a lot of people issues, too. A lot of times people don't understand the difference between someone seeking asylum and someone illegally crossing a border. But in this Mm -hmm. case, this man had entered our country legally. 
he had done everything he was supposed to do, but now he is deemed to not be a productive member of society and a detriment to it because of his violent tendencies. So there's a lot of red tape when it comes to the immigration and deportation process. But again, this is one case where the law is being followed correctly and truly the this guy needs to be sent to Antarctica. So right. that, that would be the best place for him. So yes. after they began this process, what, what happened? On November 9th, 2020, the Luden County Sheriff's Office obtained a warrant for Roland for Bethany's abduction and returned him to North Carolina after his sentence there. He was held without bond. Roland pled guilty to second-degree murder for Bethany's disappearance on November 17th, 2022, despite her remains never being recovered. On February 1st, 2023, Rolden was sentenced to 40 years in prison, which is the maximum permitted for second-degree murder. All but 12 and a half years of his sentence was suspended. We see suspended sentences in a lot of states that don't necessarily have parole, per se. It can be granted for any number of reasons. It can be over crowding of the prison population. So they find prisoners that have been what they call model prisoners. They have good conduct and they will set rules that they have to follow. And if they don't follow those rules, then the sen- they, they will have to return to the prisoner penitentiary and, and serve out their sentences. I'm sure that they had their reasons for doing that for this guy, but I just, I can't in good conscience condone allowing this man out after right. what I've, I've read, heard, and even some of his statements. Speaking of which, do you know what he said afterwards? So he went on record as part of the plea deal to discuss his accounts of the murder, which I think is probably part of why he got the sentence that he did was because nobody knew what happened to Bethany. And I think uh, they really wanted to get that information. So it, it could give the family some closure. Yes. On it. Okay. That makes, yeah. that makes a bit of sense. Yeah. So he stated that he and Bethany got into an argument and he pushed her. She fell hitting her head on a windowsill and was dead instantly. He stated that he checked for signs of life, but she was dead. He never called 911 and instead put her body into a Christmas tree disposal bag then dumped her in the trash compactor at their apartment complex. So Roland could serve the full sentence of 40 years if he commits another crime or violates other conditions, such as violating the no contact order imposed on him against the members of Bethany's family for the next 25 years. Speaking after the hearing, Kim Nelson stated, I can't tell you how hard it was knowing that when we had her last Christmas, that that would be the last one. The night before Bethany was murdered, she called me and said, Mom, I love you. That was the last thing she said. So I just want to encourage each and every one of you to not take for granted tomorrow and to really make sure that you're talking to your loved ones. That you're letting people know how much you care and not wait for the tomorrow, which may never be. Kim Nelson and Vicki Willoughby grew close over their shared trauma and joined Help Save the Next Girl, a national nonprofit organization formed in honor of Morgan Dana Harrington, a 20-year-old Virginia Tech student who was abducted and murdered in 2009. This case was, at least it was solved. We, yes. we do a lot of, at the end of each one of our shows, we do a missing persons case. And we say often, 
help find them so they don't end up on our show. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect example of the opposite happening. Right. There are usually red flags when it comes to men like this or people mm-hmm. like this, but specifically men like this. And we see them like he wanted to move very, very quickly in the relationship. As soon as Vicky and Emil were separated, he moves in. He right. stopped her from seeing her family. He had jealousy issues. They're just stacks upon stacks upon stacks of different things that we could see patterns of behavior becoming more and more controlling, which usually leads to violence of some kind. Mm-hmm. It definitely encourage people in general to create a support system around you, get friends that understand you and see you, that love you and care for you, your family as well, as long as you have a good supportive family, and listen to what people tell you. Like sometimes you're too close to the forest to see the trees, but other people see things from a distance that you may not. And that's, that's not to say that Everybody, you know, nobody will have a reason to lie to you or whatnot. But if you have multiple friends coming up to you and wondering and worrying, at least take a moment and step back. It's it's important. Right. And there were signs in this case with her family. Some of them knew Golden and his, you know, how controlling and abusive that he was. And, you know, she stayed with him. Yes. Yes. And I think. Most of us in our adult years will say that we know someone that has done the same thing. That right. we, we've seen the patterns, we've tried to talk to them, and it's always, oh, he's not usually like that, or but I really love him, I can change him or her. And, and it's, it's a lot harder to leave when you're in this situation than it is being the outsider looking in. It absolutely is. But that's why I think having a support system is so important. So, for example, you have that couch to go crash on because, yes, monetary abuse is also a thing or financial abuse is also a thing. Not Mm. being able to, like they say, I can't afford to leave him, things like that. That's why having those support systems in place is so important. There were many, many times, like you said, while researching this case, that I was like, this was when she could have left. This Mm -hmm. is also when she could have left. But he had manipulated the situation so much that she just she didn't feel that she could. And and she was young. She was. But as we said earlier, those are the most abused. Right. Demograph. And I think that's because they don't have the life experiences to recognize what's about to happen. Right. Yeah. It's 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 horrible. It is. Yeah. I always recommend people to have what I call run money, which is enough money to start over in a new place. It's something that I've done my entire life. So and I've used it a few times to get out of a situation that was sticky. And it's you know, it's not anything fancy or anything. It's just a separate savings account that you don't touch. You kind of put money into it every month and forget about it. Don't ever take out of it. And it's coming. Like I said, it's come in handy for me a few times. And I always recommend people to save for that if they can. 
Well, I'm going to say I'm glad you had it. I'm sorry you had to use it. Yeah. Well, segueing from one missing person's case turned murder into a hopefully not, who is our missing person this week, Rebel? Our missing person this week is Rupert Leo Brown. He's been missing since December 31st, 2020 in Riverton, Wyoming. He's Native American, 41 years old, 5'6 and 140 pounds. He has brown eyes and black hair and has a scar on his left cheek and one near his right eye. At the time of his disappearance, he was seen wearing a white pullover sweatshirt, jeans, and, and black and white running shoes. Rupert was last seen in the vicinity of Beaver Creek Housing in Riverton, Wyoming. He was leaving to walk to someone's apartment, but never arrived there and never returned home. He was never seen or heard from since. Rupert may have traveled to the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation in Montana, where he has friends. The search party went out in January of 2021, but no evidence was found connected to him. If you have any information, please contact the Wind River Agency at 307-332-7810. Wow, it feels like we've had quite a few Wyoming moments lately. Yes. I will say, being familiar with this area, it it is very... There's a lot of wilderness mm-hmm. in Wyoming. Wyoming has yes. a lot of open space. So that area, while it's absolutely beautiful at times of the year, in the winter, Wyoming can be pretty brutal. So Yeah. And we I'm, talked about that before. We we it's did. I, yeah. So hopefully I'm hoping that he's he's with friends and just went to, to start over somewhere new. So yeah. If yeah, anybody, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of information about him, so that you know that's kind of difficult whenever there's not very much information on a case. That's true. That's true. But fortunate, or unfortunately, fortunately, however you want to look at it, um, it's just as important as the ones that we've given you much more information about. So if anybody out there has any information whatsoever, you know, let's let's get his family a little bit of closure for this. Yeah. Definitely. Wow, Rebel. So for me, this week was this was a roller coaster episode for me of emotion. Yeah, definitely was. Hopefully we've been able to give out some good information to people. Hopefully that can help if someone is in that situation to give them the push to get out of it. Hopefully, if you're listening, though, you are not in that situation. You don't have to worry about it, but support your friends. Exactly. So Rebel. Our friends and and supporters of this awesome, awesome podcast, where can they tell their friends and family to get involved with us? So we're hosted on Podbean and we're on most of the major platforms for podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, etc. We can be found on most of the social medias under Murderosity or Murderosity Podcast. And if you have any cases, whether they be missing persons or creepy or murder, whichever then they can email us at murderosity at gmail.com. Speaking of those requests, we are going to be taping some of your requested cases coming up soon. Yes. So stay tuned for that. And we will definitely be giving shout outs to those people who have given us the requests. So you want to get your name out there? Give us a give Drop us a line. We're happy, happy to do the research for you. Yes, definitely. And if, the, if there's anything that we can help with, we're always here. We are here. Drop us an email. Drop us a message. We do check them regularly. 
and always, always happy, even yeah. even in the comment section. So hit us up and we'll hit you back. Not literally, oh. though. Not no, no, no bad timing. So uh, on that, I think that's going to do it for us for this evening, unless you have anything else to add, Rebel. No, I'm on the bed. All righty. Well, stay safe out there and we'll catch you next week.